Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Now we present an encore presentation of Protect Your Assets with David Hollander. One of the most important questions right now for markets are, are we going to get a soft landing or a hard landing? It's a big debate right now, and whoever is right, well, they're either going to make another 10% or they're going to be on the downside and lose 10 to 15%. You add that to the mixed signals we've been getting from all the data recently, and this creates a situation that, well, I don't think we've seen since the pandemic. The last few weeks haven't helped figure this out either. The past week is a great example of what I'm talking about. It's almost like we're looking at two entirely different economies. We started out the week down with inflation looking like it's still a problem. And then some tech companies report better than expected earnings. And well, we finished the week up. Fed officials keep talking about how they're going to keep raising rates. Yet, well, the market thinks there's two or three cuts coming later this year. So in my experience, This level of divergence in the data really only means one thing. We're looking at a turn in the economy and the markets. The key during times like this is to not get overly concerned or hung up on one month's worth of data, but rather to plot it out and focus on the overall trend. So that's what we did. Let's take a look at the trend to see how much momentum the economy is really losing. We put together a scorecard using different data points going back three months. We looked at three months ago, one month ago, and what's happening right now. The big three data points that I look heavily at and talk about regularly on this show are, as you know, new jobs, manufacturing, and services. Now, we're going to add to that consumers, as consumers make up two-thirds of the economy, And if they stop spending, well, well, then we're in big trouble then. How much are businesses spending? And lastly, the weekly unemployment number that comes out each Thursday, as that gives us some insight before the monthly jobs report comes out each month. So let's start with manufacturing and what that looks like. Well, the current level is clearly down from where it was three months ago. You talk to any business manufacturers and they'll tell you, well, things aren't great. And when you look at the numbers from three months ago compared to one month ago, and most recently, those signal a hard landing. Things are just slowing down. Next, we look at the ISM service index. And while it's down, it's not down enough to signal a hard landing as it's still above 50. And remember, anything above 50, well, that represents an expansion. Now for the monthly job reports. Well, the last number was 230,000. And next week we'll get that number on Friday. And hopefully it'll break 200,000 and show us that things are slowing down and get closer to that 150,000 number, which again will signal that things are ultimately slowing down. And this would be a hard landing signal compared to what is currently out there, the soft landing. 
Turning to the consumer, there are very little signs that the consumers are slowing down. I don't know about you, but when I go out to restaurants or into the malls, they're busy, packed even. You can't even get a reservation. So this is not a slowdown mentality. The big question is, are the stimulus dollars from the pandemic still floating around and is it going to take longer? How much longer for the economy to slow down and for things to cool off? Or will this just keep grinding on slower and slower and the data continues to get worse and worse over a longer period of time? Looking at retail sales, well, three months ago, they were at $589 billion. Today, $598 billion. So that's signaling a soft landing. How about business spending? Well, most business owners that I know have been talking about things slowing down. But when we look at non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, I'm sorry, I know that's a mouthful, N-D-C-G-X-A, that's what that stands for. If we look at the N-D-C-G-X-A three months ago, a month ago, and now it is falling, yes, to all new lows, but we're not seeing lows that are big enough to, again, signal a hard landing. And so until that data supports the information that we're seeing in other places, well, again, it's looking like a soft landing. And that leads me to a very good question I received this past week about First Republic Bank. Kevin wanted to know if I thought the bank would fail, and if so, what would that do to the Fed? Well, Kevin, first off, we haven't heard definitively from the FDIC that they are taking over First Republic. But let me answer the question a different way. There's more underlying the situation. If we look back prior to the Silicon Valley bank failure, the Fed was on a very clear path to raising rates. When Silicon Valley Bank hit, they stopped raising rates. So with First Republic falling this past week, what does that mean? Well, as you may recall, this past week, management failed to answer analyst questions and the stock sold off over 30% to hit an all-time low. Add to that speculation about outside larger banks stepping in like JP Morgan and effectively taking over ownership and diluting the shares. Point being, if you own any smaller regional bank stocks, you should really evaluate your position. I'm talking about banks like Zion, Coamerica, Western Alliance. The market is obviously very sensitive to any companies in this sector, and when management fails to deliver information, the stocks typically get punished. It's not fair, but that's the market. The market likes information. Absent a larger contagion, I don't think the Fed will really care. And as has happened so many times in the past, think about Lehman Brothers, for instance, in 2008. The government has to let some things fail because they just can't bail everybody out. And if they do fail, you have FDIC to back them up, at least to the 250000 per depositor. Moreover, Large banks are in a much better financial position than they were in 2008-2009, and more often than not, they come to the rescue because they like to buy good books of businesses with good customers, like what First Republic has, given the opportunity. But the takeaway from Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank is don't keep more than $250,000 at the bank, Kevin. Hope that helps.
Now for a technical update. So the S&P 500 right now is trading very close to 4,200. Remember 4,200 on the upside, breaking through that would be very bullish and a good sign for the overall market. We just haven't got there yet. But what's important is this past week, the S&P 500 did trade comfortably above all three major moving averages, which are the 50, 100 and 200 day moving averages. Now we call that a golden cross in my business. So by itself, that's a bullish development. But because of everything I was talking about earlier regarding the craziness of this market, <laughs> trying to figure it out, I'm not getting overly bullish right now. Now we add to that the Dow theory. I mean, we've talked about Dow theory in the past and right now Dow theory remains bearish. It's barely bearish, but still bearish as only one higher high needs to be had before we can say, well, that's a bullish signal. Looking at all the major indexes, the tech heavy NASDAQ, of course, has been the clear upside standout year to date. But there are some signs right now that that rally is starting to lose some momentum. Small caps, meanwhile, remain a major market laggard with the Russell 2000 barely positive year to date. When we talk about growth versus value, growth has massively outperformed value so far in 23, but there has so far not been any evidence that the definitive and primary trend of value over growth that dominated markets last year has reversed, leaving the gains in growth stocks so far this year at a risk of a reversal or some sort of steep pullback. Among the major market sectors that I'm bullish on, consumer staples, energy, healthcare, industrials, technology, communication services, financials, materials, and utilities all appear to be market neutral, while I'm overall bearish on consumer discretionary and real estate, particularly commercial real estate at this time. Finally, the VIX, the all-important volatility index, well, that remains under heavy pressure, even though it's down. And while many believe this is because the index is broken and no longer a valid fear gauge, I feel differently. I think the VIX has traded with a heavy tone in the early to middle innings of a major bear market since its inception. And if we look at history as a guide, the VIX, the VIX, should offer us a clear indication that capitulation and general market panic is underway and help us better identify a lasting market bottom in stocks, which so far I'm just not seeing evidence of that since the last October lows. So overall medium trend on the S&P 500, I'm seeing signs right now that the overall uptrend that we've been seeing, particularly these last couple of trading days, it's becoming tired and exhausted. And the daily chart as the RSI shows has turned sideways while futures have continued higher. And the last time we saw something like this, a similar dynamic was in early February. And if you look at that, there was a decent pullback to test the early 2023 lows. So on the NASDAQ right now, the key resistance level to keep your eye on is 12,222. The support level is 11,929. And again, because of the impressive year-to-day rally, well over 16%. Anything below that should bring down the, the uh, index fairly, fairly strongly. So just be aware of that. You might want to take some chips off the table if you've made some money there. 
Now, looking a little closer at growth versus value, of course, as I said, growth stocks have outperformed so far in 2023. This was underscored by the sizable gains we saw in the tech-heavy NASDAQ sector. However, looking at the strength of each of the styles, again, value and growth, to the S&P 500, reveals that growth has still yet to establish a uptrend to the broader market, and value has not meaningfully broken down just yet. So in order for us to get convicted about a growth over value call, I need to see new highs in the relative strength to the S&P 500 in the growth area and new lows in the relative strength reading to the S&P 500 in the value sector. Additionally, when you plot the two above against each other prices, growth has not yet broken above the most recent established high from August of last year. And we, and we need to see that development to continue to favor value over growth when it comes to making a style decision. So while it hasn't been great to be in value yet in 2023, I don't think it's over because since the bear market began in early 2022, value is still a considerable outperformer. And for the time being, with all the uncertainty out there, I expect that trend to resume later this year. So lastly, let's take a look at the bond market because, again, the 10-2 spread, remember the 10-year treasury versus the two-year and the spread between them, has fallen back below 60 basis points as the bond market is pricing in a not-as-dovish-as-hoped Fed and a potential economic slowdown. It's important to point out that amidst all the conflicting economic data that we've been talking about, the yield curve's message has been remarkably consistent. A contraction is coming, and it's not going to be a shallow one. Next week will be a big economic week, so pay attention to what the Fed does on May 3rd. And all the big three that we've been talking about so far today are going to be reporting as well, the ISM services and jobs report. Investment advisory services are offered through Liberty Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The strategies mentioned are not suitable for everyone. The information expressed is not considered your specific situation or objectives and may not be appropriate for all investors. Past performance is not indicative of future results. To better understand the risk associated with investing and how it reacts to different market conditions, listeners should always consult with their qualified investment professionals, financial advisors, legal or tax specialists and conduct their due diligence before making any financial decisions or taking any action. The legal information provided on the air is not intended to substitute for callers hiring their lawyers to advise them about personal legal matters. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Liberty Group LLC paid for the following program and the host's views and opinions do not represent those of the station or its ownership. California Life Agent number 048569. Persons engaging the services of one affiliate of Liberty Group LLC companies should be aware that each company is operated separately. You're listening to the Protect Your Assets Radio Network. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen.